Dear Ann Landers, my husband Dear and I Abby, are in shock. I'm extremely upset. My son got married in Dear Ann Landers, I'm very happy to hear that his wife is working out of a woman here at She thinks way too much of herself. She had to get married. Dear Pod. sound sensitive and I, it works to our advantage do not get me wrong however i was on a triple facetime the other day and someone was sitting by a fan and it sounded like every two <laughs> seconds somebody was breathing sexily into the phone and we were like talking about business she's like so if you could just get that in by the <sighs> deadline that would be really wonderful and the <sighs> if ever you're gonna <sighs> and i'm like i can't I can't work like this, okay? Stop the fan for five bloody seconds. I know it's hot as balls out there. It's disgusting. It's like walking into dog's breath. I get it. I get it. Um, well, before we get rolling, tell me about your haircut real quick. How did this happen? Did you do I went it in for a trim and he, I went in for a trim and I said, don't cut off all my hair. And then he cut off all my hair. That's how it happened. Wow. That was, um, that was a story for yeah. the ages. Yeah, that's pretty good, right? It's like Tale of Two Cities. It's like haircut. asking my mom to tell me a story. <laughs> and that's it. That's that's, it. And you're like, now what are we going to do it. for the next 72 hours? Yeah. Swaggy. It actually looked like a, like when he swept up my hair, it looked like there was a dog on the floor. That's how much hair he cut off. Oh, nice. But, well, I'm glad anyway. that you look young, perky, and vibrant today. Um, mm. Before we get rolling, are you happy with the VP pick? The what? VP. Oh yeah, that's fine. A- anything. <laughs> it could be like a. It could be a, like a jack o' lantern. I would be happy. <laughs> really, like at this point, you could put a shoe on the stage <laughs> and I'd be like, Jesus shoe twenty twenty <laughs> shoe. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Good to know. Look, I I'm feeling, I'm feeling the need already. Aren't you? I'm what? feeling the need to just kick things off and get things rolling today. There's let's a- just let's just say that you you do look like you are a waitress on, on It's a Living right now. <laughs> From the hair to the dress. I day. really thought you were going to say uh, Starlight Diner. What is what's Ellen Stardust <laughs> Diner where they sing? And I was like, you better watch yourself right now, son. I found a perfect combination red lipstick, and it's not my fault that I found my red lipstick and then a pandemic happened. And now my the whole bottom half of my face is covered. And red lipstick and masks don't go well together. Sorry about it. So, I know I've tried. I know you have. But instead, you've gone for a hawes rouge, I can see. If you could see on the Zoom call, I have renamed myself Mrs. Roper, and he I has saw. renamed himself Lana Shields. <laughs> because <laughs> we are geeks and I'm so excited. So I'm going to I'm going to kick things off because the excitement over this week's episode it's kind of more than I can contain. So officially, ladies and gents and such and such, welcome to Dear Pod, the comedy advice podcast. I'm your host Michael Douglas. And I'm Audrey Lander. And we're coming to you from both... Downtown Swingin' Hell's Kitchen and... The Maha'a Bar in the beautiful Pineapple Ranch. Can I hear it? Sir, for a dollar, who's more talented, Flo Rida or Al Roker? I don't know either one of them. I'm... Al Roker, even? 
the, the guy who lost all the weight? Yeah, the weatherman from the Today Show. Was he on Three's Company? Come on. Oh, I was. Oh, you were! Bye. Oh my god, you were! Yes! Yes! He was on Three's Company! Really on the street, street, Oh, that's a good clip and very appropriate for today, ladies and gents, because before we really dive in, I just need to tell you this is Dear Pod. Of course, if you don't listen to us, what the hell are you doing with your life? Start! Go back! <laughs> Start from one and come all the way up to what? what is this, 70-something at this point? I don't know. I'm dead inside. So in case you don't know, we are an old-school advice for new school problems comedy podcast. And this week, as with all weeks, damn it, we are bringing you unintentional comic gold of Ann Landers and Dear Abby. We look back at the write-in advice columns from newspapers of days of yore and talk about the hard-hitting topics of the day. Like, is my spice cake moist? And should I leave my husband? Then we attempt to do it ourselves. We take your questions. So please hit us up. Find us online on your social medias. Uh, Patty, where can they find us? Find us on our Instagram page, at DearPodOfficial. And our Twitter. And the Twitter, at DearPodOfficial. And our website. www.DearPodOfficial. Do we do the www anymore? I do, because I'm 109 years old. Well, get out your Commodore 64 and get rid of the triple dubs, okay? You can email us, which at this point, email is like sending someone a smoke signal. When you get an email, isn't it like, oh, somebody wrote me a letter. It feels so vintage. I was like, yeah, a letter I'm never going to read, but still, good for you for reaching out. So you you. can, if you really want to, find us dearpodofficial at gmail.com. And of course, throw money at our faces. Go to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash dearpodofficial, and and make it rain, baby. I think we're up to 10 American dollars over there. Let's not spend it all in one spot. Oh, I'm going to get you half of a cheeseburger, son. And I'm going to I'm going to buy your hair back too. I'm going to ask the guy. Thank he you. probably put it I in a bag. He's using it probably. for some <laughs> some witchcraft or some crap. So, um, we're going to dive right in today because we're very excited. This week's topic is television. Television. Um, now the Patty and I were both raised on television. Would no parents, agree? just the television. Yeah, my mother put it on, and she said, learn something. And then she left me with, um, let's see, the electric company, uh, Sesame Street. I was left alone with my brother watching Sesame Street, fun fact. And um, mm. we were eating, and we had this little, like, temporary table in front of us. We were having ravioli with ragu. I remember it really vividly. And then Chef Boyardee? The, yes, of course. And... Yeah. Uh, the emergency broadcast system came on, and it was in the middle of Sesame Street. And I, as a kid, was terrified, terrified of the emergency broadcast system. And it started off, and my brother was scared too. And in pure form that he has been doing this his entire life, he ran out of the room, but he pushed the table out, and he pushed it into me which left me trapped and with no upper body strength still to this day. I could not push mm-hmm. the table out, so I was trapped in the den with my ravioli, and I was forced to listen to the emergency broadcast system emergency like it was clockwork system. orange. Well, it's not a pleasant noise. It's a horrifying noise. And when we actually well, needed it, what did we use? Did we use it? Did we use, have we used the emergency broadcast system? Has there been an emergency yet? Um, in life, yes. 9-11... 
Uh, there's a pandemic going on. Have we heard the emergency broadcast system? I have not. I'm glad you. But have. I also, I also don't watch regular television. Oh yeah, that's right. Did you give up your cable? Yes. Well, I am still sorry about it. Vintage television watcher. I have zero apologies for it. And this um, week, well, what were you going to say? Something. I, I just. I think it's interesting that you were left alone with uh, Sesame Street and educational television programming. But and yeah. I was left alone with what? With late night, <laughs> with <laughs> late night TV dramas. What were you left with? <laughs> Please say law and order like L.A. law. Well, that well, later. Yeah. But I mean, I told you we were raised on, you know, the basics. Dallas dynasty. Not landing. All of them. We have a very special in-studio guest that we are thrilled is going to help us out with our topic today. He has a career in the entertainment business that has not only spanned decades, but mediums. He's graced Broadway stages, movie screens, and your TVs, babies, as everyone's favorite resident bachelor slash playboy slash car salesman, Larry Dallas, in the classic TV hit, Three's Company. Please welcome to the Maha Bar in the beautiful Pineapple Ranch, Mr. Richard Klein! <laughs> oh, Where's the theme life. song, guys? I mean, you know, I thought it was going to come and knock on my door, come and sit on my face. Where is that? Um, well, the rewrite oh, is wow. still coming in, but no, I guess. Uh, look, I am not responsible for the sound effects. That is our producer, Mr. James Jules Ferris. Do you have that on cue? <laughs> oh, it's uh, okay. Day. Where the flushes are hers and hers <laughs> and his, there's going to do. Da-da, da-da, da-da. Hi, hi Patty O'Brien. Hey, how are you? I'm good. I think I was in a bar in Boston named Patty O'Brien. I could be That's wrong. That's every Probably. bar in Boston. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've been kicked this out of those such a bars. treat. Thank you. We are thrilled to have you here I'm to so talk about television. I'm so happy to be here. You know, we're neighbors, and why not? Why not, damn it? And Mr. Richie Klein, in addition to all of your, your many widely ranging resume ticks on the box. You uh, you are also husband to the one and only beautiful Mrs. Beverly Osgood Klein. Beverly Osgood Klein and from Montreal, Canada. Montreal, Canada. And yes. personally, Ooh. my favorite role of yours was guest at my wedding. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> All right. And All right. on behalf of my uncles who got completely hammered yes. and wanted to talk to you the whole night, my whole family thanks you. Oh. And extends an olive branch and asks you to please drop the charges. <laughs> okay. So, and what a wedding it was! The, the barns in Connecticut. Am it I correct? was. We got married in a barn. It, but oh, it was, you're just like Mary and Jesus, aren't we? Though it was magical, and Beverly and I loved every second of it. We made friends with some of your guests. Oh, good. Which we hold dear and near and dear to this day. So um, that's true. That wedding it, brought people together. It certainly it. did, because the vibe was so wonderful and welcoming and fun and happy oh and hilarious God. and offbeat. I think I remember Jim dancing with some 
pork pie hat or something, short people. Something yeah, that's like. called Monday. He does that all the time. Oh. All righty then. Yeah, but yeah. It's, it, it, was a, it was a fun fest. It was a fun fest. It was a love fest. I'm so glad yeah. that you were there. I mean, it was your best role to date, right? It really was. And, and, and a nice choice to have as your pastor chuckles the clown. That was, that was a good choice. It was a I nice know. touch. Yeah. I know. I, I, yeah. You know, he was available, so, so mm-hmm. we just booked him. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. The scatological balloon animals, however, was probably not whatever. Oh, but, yeah. you know, you got to have something for the kids. <laughs> you know, and I wasn't about to get like a popcorn stand or any of that crap. It's like, oh, what do you want, dog turd? Here you go. <laughs> Look, I Chuck need said to... he really liked the the uh, glow ho- uh, glory hole behind the wedding cake. Yeah, that was Ooh. it. Was a nice touch, but he did Ouch. say he goes, "This is the best gay bar in Connecticut." At our <laughs> wedding, he looked around at the clientele of our people. And he said, everybody's grinders must be going, what the hell is happening in Connecticut tonight? Uh, Is that uh, a barn? Oh, my God. Look, I want to give the good people at home a little background on you. Because, yes, I might have been stalking and Wikipedia-ing and Googling and all that. And I learned things about you online that you've never told me before. And I'm sad uh, that I had to find this. I'm still in the closet, if that's what you're looking for. Well, I knew it. And the proof is in the pudding over here. Well, my grinder went off, so I already knew that. <laughs> what did you find out, Aaron? I'm curious that you didn't know about. Me. What did I not know about you? Well, Whoa. I did not know that you were born and raised in NYC. Yes, Queens. Uh, in Queens, and you went to Queens College. I did not know that you were a lieutenant in the Vietnam War. That's classified. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Not anymore, I, son. I was I was uh, the only uh, Jewish actor with a master's degree in theater from Northwestern University who served in the 101st Airborne Division. <gasps> Did yeah. you jump out of planes? No, that's what it sounds like. I was a special service officer, which means I was in charge of the entertainment morale for 30,000 troops. I brought in Bob Hope and Miss America and... Um, that, yeah, I was in charge of making, you know, I was the, the happy officer. Oh, my. You were yeah. like the Julie McCoy. Who's that? Oh, Julie McCoy, the love boat. Yeah. Yeah. You had to Without check. the cocaine. Exciting <laughs> and you. Well, I don't know. It was the Vietnam War. Come it could have happened. We've been waiting, <laughs> waiting for you. Shut the hell up. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I was very, very fortunate not to uh, actually... You know, be in the bush and the boonies. People don't know that for every combat troop that's in, you know, out there risking his or her lives, uh, there's 13 to 15 people in support. People that do, you know, the cook and the motor pool and, yeah. you know, and do the do the, uh, the 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 newspaper for the for the unit. And I was I was in charge of. Um, touch football and basketball and films. We had a film circuit where we would helicopter 16-millimeter films out to the troops who were on on hilltops, you know, defending whatever, you know. Oh, my God. Yeah. And just to, like, wow. provide them with some happiness as all this was going on. Yeah, so in that sense, you know, it was a very positive experience. In another sense, it was uh, I dropped three years of my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, three years you did <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, it was, you know, basic. Holy and, shit. And, yeah, yeah. But uh, I have no regrets. <laughs> um, you God shouldn't have me. any regrets. No, I do not have What regrets. age did you go in? I, I was uh, a graduate student. So I was I like 22 years old. I was right on the cusp before, you know, they said you're too old. I was 22, came out at 25. Oh, my God. And then, okay, so 
according to your Wikipedia, because this yeah. is how I have to get to know my Go friends. Ahead. I'm very connected. <laughs> um, you started, your theatrical debut was in 1971 at Lincoln Center. You made just a theatrical debut at Lincoln Center. Well, I, I auditioned for the company, and I was chosen to be part of the company. At that, that time, they had a repertory company. They did four shows in, in wow. repertory. And my first show was with uh, the late Nancy Marchand, who was, you know, uh, yes, Tony Soprano's, Soprano's mom, in uh, Mary Stewart, uh, costume drama, whatever. I held a spear beautifully, and I understudied some parts. And, you know, we did The Crucible. We did uh, Twelfth Night and... Uh, um, that was my yeah, introduction to theater in, in New York. Wow. Well, from that point, you have not stopped working whenever I see you working on something new. Always. But before we even get into the rest of, of like the meat of everything, yes. I just I have to ask you the question that um, really is on everybody's mind. So I, I'm just going to ask you straight out. Go ahead. What was it like to work in the classic film Beverly Hills Ninja? Oh, you know, <laughs> first of all, now, if you had a nickel, hold on one second for two reasons why that was special. Number one, my best friend in the world directed it, Dennis Dugan. I met him. Yeah, who, yeah, Dennis, who directed most of the, the um, Adam Sandler movies. But the other thing is that I go to makeup, and in the makeup trailer, there's Chris Farley, <gasps> who you know, maybe, you know, one of the funniest human beings to have ever lived. And just before I could say, I'm such a fan of yours, he said, you know, I'm a real fan of yours. And I went, what? Of course. Chris, stop. Because, I mean, he's just I mean, down by the river. You know what I'm saying? Of course. <laughs> and uh, But you so, do realize yes, that there. you have a huge fan base out there. And that people were geeking out over you. I mean, I had a lot of people write in and ask really? questions for me to ask to you. So I get I get fan mail from like Poland. <gasps> That's fantastic. I can't read it because you know it's in Russian, but it's in Polish. Does it come with any sort of weird powder or <laughs> no, 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 no. Do you have no. do you have Bev open up your no. mail for you but when here's it first a, comes here's to the, the thing, house? Here's, <laughs> here's the thing about uh, quote unquote celebrity or like being on a show for eight years or I remember in the early days when the cab drivers in New York were from um, West Africa, whatever, Zimbabwe, I think. And I'm in a, I'm in a cab in New York, and uh, the guy says, Laddie! And I go, what? He says, how do you, I say, how do you know? He says, I, we watch you in Zimbabwe. I learned English from you. That's a very bad Zimbabwean accent. <laughs> no, I think your accent, your dialect work is fine. That it's, is spot it's, on. It's things like that where you go, what? It's just, it boggles my mind because I do not think of myself. And by the way, it's, it's really tough being an icon. I don't <laughs> think of myself as a, quote, celebrity. I'm just a guy from Queens who would just happen to study his craft and, and get a lucky shot in a series with a, a comic genius by the name of John Ritter. So, oh, you know, God. I mean, it's, uh, but it's, it never ceases to amaze. I tell Beverly, you know, these letters that come in from all over the country, like, don't they have anything else to do? But apparently not. No. No, no, no one has anything to do. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Patty. <laughs> and let me just say, thanks to this pandemic, you're going to get a whole host of new followers. I'm telling you. I guess so. I guess Everybody's so. going back now because nothing new is being made. 
But now, you know, they reached out to me. Somebody reached out to me and said, do you want to be on Cameo? Do you know what Cameo is? Uh, yes, I do, because we've talked about it on this podcast and my oh. weird obsession with Cameo. Okay, yeah. So so, so I joined Cameo a couple weeks ago, and, <laughs> and it's, it's an amazing app because people write to you and say, oh, my brother Drew's having a birthday. Could you please say, meet me at the Beagle or something? And yeah, okay. And then it's ching. Yeah. And then if you want a text, you set your own price. So my yeah. price for a text is a dollar ninety nine for a text. No, yeah. you have underpriced so, yourself, what? sir. Wait, wait, wait. Who That's is for your a text. representative? That's for a text, not for the video. So for the text, um, so then I my my bank account, I look at my bank account. Two dollars and four cents for two texts because they take away, you know, eleven percent. I am in the freaking money. I just got two dollars and four cents for two texts. Thank you. After after they took their commission. Wow! Happy retirement. Thank you very much. Yeah. What a four hundred one k that is. Yes. It's uh, but yet I love the cameos that are one dollar cameos. Like from. Who? Uh, we don't know who they are. Oh, yeah, there's like, people there. The you hell? don't know who they are. But I do want to buy somebody like for their birthday about twenty one dollar cameos from random people. That is, <laughs> I have a friend whose birthday is coming up, so I think I'm gonna do it. <laughs> oh, that's, that's <laughs> so they're just gonna get a shit ton yeah, that's of one dollar cameos. Brilliant, but that's brilliant. Like, who are these people that are? I don't know. So, um. I think that we need to discuss the third elephant in the room. Three's company two. Because we, uh, Patty and I picked this topic this week because we are television addicts and we grew up with Three's Company. And Patty, um, very excited about today and having you as a guest because not only has he loved you in Three's Company, but he says he has watched shows with you on them throughout his life. Uh, Patty, has he seen yeah. any of any of my four love boats? <gasps> I believe that I have, because we were a love boat family, okay. along with Fantasy Island. Yeah, I was, okay, okay. Wait a second. I, wait a second. I go on Fantasy Island with Stephanie Farrisy, a tremendously talented actress, and I was expecting. Irve Villachez, but apparently he would he left the show and Christopher Hewitt was the butler now. But Marty Mull, Marty Mull, I, Marty Mull came up with a line about Irve Villachez. Okay, because I did a series with Martin Mull. Oh this is good. This could take you off the air. Oh, I'm ready. Okay, but here you go. Here you go. So so Marty says, ah, we're on the set somewhere in I don't know Universal or Paramount, and he goes, yeah, I was at a party last night, and I and I. Uh, I met Hervé Village as I shook hands with him. It was like grabbing a fistful of wieners. That's so bad. It's so bad. I said, Marty, you cannot, you cannot say that. He said, you laughed, didn't you? Oh, my yes. God. That is the best Martin Mull line oh, I have ever oh, he's heard. He's brilliant, dude. And you know, we Beverly and I used to go to. Uh, we were we were pals with the the late. What the hell was? Oh that? my god! Oh my god! He got so excited. Hold on! Hold on! Oh my god! Hold on! Hold on! Oh no! Oh no! What, what happened? I think he dropped a liquid. <laughs> the best part is there's a window. I mean, a mirror. Look at the thing. I said, See, that's, that's an me. edit. <laughs> that's an edit. And cut. So in 1977. Yes. You landed the role of Larry Dallas 
professional bachelor slash resident playboy slash next door neighbor to Chrissy Janet and Jack and all the people who replaced Chrissy. I think even I played Chrissy at some point uh, in Three's Company. <laughs> and you are one of the two characters that appeared in the two spinoffs, Three's a Crowd and The Ropers, which, by the way, I'm not saying that they should remake The Ropers with me and my jewels, but I'm just saying it should happen. I'm becoming the Ropers at this point. Like, I like a soft, I like a moo-moo. You know, I don't like clothes that challenge me or have any shape, and she's got short yeah. red hair. Like, I'm walking myself into Mrs. Roper status, and I'm I'm okay with it now, you know? Okay. So Who was it down to between you and who else? For the Do role? You know? Yeah. Ooh, that's a Not question. you, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, it was down to me and the woman who got Mrs. Roper for Mrs. Roper, but I wasn't born yet. So, but I was like a fetus in contention. Sure. So my sure. my audition for a one spot shot on Three's Company guest star. It was one spot. Mm-hmm. My competition was Jeff Goldblum and and Ron Silver. Are you kidding me? No. Oh my God. Jeff, could you picture how different that show would be I with Jeff Goldblum? I love Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum and I did a, a, a show off Broadway called El Grande de Coca Cola, which was a which was a spinoff, which was a spin, which which was a, a spoof of a, a, a nightclub in South America. It was one of the most hilarious things you have ever seen. Jeff played, you know, Jeff is an accomplished pianist. Mm-hmm. He played the piano, and he, he there were there were all skits. There were these bizarre, bizarre skits, and we we all kind of spoke in this broken Spanish English accent thing, you know. I played the drum, and I got my head. I played the drum, and I played the drum. Brrr, bum, bum, ching, and you know, and the, the drumstick goes flying off stage. I mean, it was the mo- It was burlesque to to the nth degree. So you were Hervé Villachez. <laughs> Thank you. I don't think I was born then. This is in nineteen seventy two. And the mayor of the city was uh, John Lindsay. And this was at the, the, when the Plaza Hotel had a cabaret. What was it called? The Plaza Cabaret, whatever the hell it was called. That's where we performed. And there were tables and chairs. And, and, and I was playing the drums. And Mayor Lindsay came in. was sitting in the second row. And I just remember, because I would be sitting there at my drums looking out at the audience. And he was dying. He was laughing. So slapping his leg. And this is the, you know, the mayor who looked, you know, before John Kennedy, or after John Kennedy, who looked like this gorgeous matinee idol guy. Yeah. And uh, he ju- just loved it. But Jeff uh, Goldblum, from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, oh. home of Michael Keaton. Monongahela. Yeah. Oh. Um, uh, we were, you know, we're all of us were very tight, and, and I, I followed his career. He's just an amazingly hilarious, talented human being. And he was like, you know what? I would like to play Larry, but I have to go on and do The Fly, and I have to make Ooh, out with Gina Davis. So, uh, what a great movie, The Fly. What a great was that David Cronenberg? Was that David Cronenberg? Jim Ferris. Uh, okay. Google, it's, please get I on your I just woke your husband up. Holy crap. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's um, he's actually partially dead right now, my jewel. So anyway. He, he's very uh, startlable. Um well, we have a lot of questions for you from our dear listeners. Okay. Uh, and we ourselves are going to add these questions, but we got some really good questions from people, really solid. Okay. Uh, from Gene Salvatore, he asks, how funny was it working on that set off camera? I bet the laughs were great. Like, did you guys have a blast together? Here's the deal. I don't know how we got anything on tape. Then it was tape, you know, it was videotape. Because... <laughs> 
the rehearsals were one laugh riot after another. And John set the tone because, I mean, you know, he would just, we would just be cracking each other up. At one point, our director, Dave Powers, who, by the way, spent 11 years directing The Carol Burnett Show. So he was oh, a, wow. A he was ready for it. He was a freaking genius. He would sit there. And by the, those times, you were able to smoke in the rehearsal hall, whatever. So he would sit there with a cigarette and, and a tinfoil ashtray. And he would take a puff and he would go, he would, he would flick his cigarette and he would go, can we actually get to work here? Or what? <laughs> because because the, we, just, we, just, we would never stop. And, you know, I would be doing Jerry Lewis to, to, uh, to John's Jerry Lewis. And we'd, can we please do the thing in the lines? I'm coming in. I'm going to knock on the door. And I have information because I do exposition on this show. That's what I do. I come in and I do a plot thing so that people know that there's two Swedish contortionists down at the Beagle. And you have to help me, Jack. That's what we did. What? We'd open the door. And a taping, a Thursday night taping. Uh, before we, not a taping, a camera rehearsal, knock, knock, knock. And it's me always at the door. And John opened the door and his, his pants would be at his ankles. <laughs> and I'm supposed to deliver a line. You know? He opens the door, the shot is on me and he's in his, his the pants are at his ankles. And I'm like, oh my God. I mean, so that kind of hilarity ensued most of the time. Wow. Yeah. Oh, I'm, Patty, I'm going to hand it over to you for the next question. Hit him up for a question. Um, yeah. So what was the mood like when you went up from Three's Company to Three's a Crowd? I mean, you weren't as, oh. were you as well, heavily well, featured in that, oh, that That's a good question, Patty, because what happened was they offered me what they call 10 out of 13 on Three's a Crowd. At the same time, I had auditioned for a brand new series called His and Hers with Shelley Fabre. She, the wife mm -hmm. of Greg T. Nelson on Coach. Coach. Oh, my God. So it was either, do you want to co-star with Shelley Fabre in a series or do 10 out of 13 on um, Three's a Crowd? So I, chose, I opted for the series, which didn't sell, but it, it, it's fine. I don't regret the decision. Um, and then they had me back on Three's a Crowd as a one-time Larry, you know, pops in to say hello. So that was that story. Oh, does that does that answer your question? I'll tell you what the it mood. Does. I'll tell you what the mood was when the girls, i.e., Joyce and Priscilla, found out that they were moving forward without them. It oh. was it was yeah. pretty grim. It was. Oh my God! Yeah, it was Talk sad. About it was that. sad and and disillusionment and you know and I don't blame them. Whatever. You know. And how long was that on the air for? That they did twenty twenty two. One year, 22. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. So here's the scoop. Every week, in case you haven't listened to Dear Pod, which God help you when you move from this place, you have got to start listening to a podcast. Uh, we pick our topic, and then we find Ann Landers and Dear Abby articles that fit the topic. So this week, we've got articles on the topic of television. Patois, would you like to, to uh, kick us off with our first article, and then we'll have a whole discussion about it. Richie, you can chime in. Give us your wisdom. Go, baby. Here we go. This is from the Times News, Twin Falls, Idaho, June 3rd, 1990. Twas a Sunday. Dear Abby, it happened again last night. It must be the place to meet and talk on several otherwise excellent TV shows. 
I'm referring to the men's restroom. The most offensive show in this respect is L.A. Law. And now the premiere of Capital News, too. I am very uncomfortable and offended while watching TV with our friends and or young people when men are filmed literally going through the motions of using the urinal as they talk to one another. On L.A. Law last week, two men in two stalls dropped their pants and tossed toilet paper between the stalls, all the while the camera photographed this from the floor. Is this really an acceptable area for filming? I find it embarrassing to have to share in such a private, or it should be, act. Abby, you have more clout than viewers boycotting advertising products. What is your opinion? I don't think I'm a prude. I just believe this is an extremely poor taste. Signed, Midwest, RN, and Mom. Dear Midwest RN, I agree with you, and I don't consider myself a prude either. Perhaps we're lucky. It could have been worse. Why I picked this article is because if you recall the big hubbub of the Brady Bunch is that they never show a toilet on, on television. What? I didn't know that. True. What? On the Brady Bunch. Anytime they're in the bathroom, they never show a toilet. Excuse me? Like when they were doing shots in the bathroom? Not like shots, but doing a shot. Right. They're not like taking a dump in the bathroom. Now that would have been amazing. Cindy, Jan? Cindy sitting on the <laughs> sh- <laughs> It's always Jan. Can I please? I'm trying to drop a Cleveland steamer. Jan! I have never heard this before. Do you know about this? That there was never a toilet scene on three... I mean, um, where are we? Brady Bunch? Jesus. I, I'm, I've i never watched the Brady Bunch. I'm sorry. Tell me you're joking. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Are you dead serious? Are you I'm lying serious. to me? I, know. I never watched Bonanza. You, Well, that I could take or leave. But the That's Brady fine. Bunch? I, I just did I never watched it. You haven't seen one single episode of the Brady Not Bunch. Not a single one. Do you... Were you more of a Partridge family person? I never saw the Partridge family. Who is so you were just based, so this is just based on you have better taste than Aaron and I. <laughs> no, I just I don't know what I, I don't know what to tell you. Maybe I was studying at the time or something in college. I just never watched it. Did you watch any show you weren't on? <laughs> <laughs> Good question. Uh, what the hell did I watch? What were we talking about? The seventies? Where are we? What year was that? That, that article that you just read. That well, that's nineteen ninety. That's L.A. Law. I watched L.A. Law. I just never watched the Brady Bunch. I never, it never appealed to me. I don't know. What? Wow. I know. Sorry. I think My mom hates it. Does she? Why? Hates it. Because she has five thousand kids. Probably. And she feels like it's. I inaccurate. think she thought it was just really stupid. I mean, my mom really liked Heart to Heart and Not Landing. So that's where, <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a far cry from the Brady's. That's where her taste was at. Yeah. Was in like yeah, yeah, a, a yeah, kind yeah. of nighttime drama. Correct. Falcon's Landing type. Okay, who's wearing Falcon a high shoulder pad? It's Falcon, Falcon Crest. Crest. Oh, not wait. Falcon Falcon's Landing. Knott's Landing and Falcon Crest. I, look, I Jesus. Interchangeable. There's a lot of shoulder pads. There's a lot of like cinched waists. <laughs> you know? Um, you never watch the Brady Bunch. Well, here's another question in relation to that then. Did you watch, have you watched all of your episodes of any well, TV show you've done? 
wait, you, you mean of Three's Company or like, just every- uh, anything? Because you've done a lot. You've you've been people know you in the Americans. You had a recurring yeah, role no, in that. I, I watched it. Um, watched. And can we please talk about the fact that you were on an episode of Punky Brewster, which you never told me? <laughs> Why have you been hiding this from That's me, Patty? Funny that because the other day I was telling Beverly, I said, you know, I haven't received a, a residual from Punky Brewster, and she said. <laughs> Why would you? <laughs> because Bev, people like me have it? been watching it in reruns for forever. Soleil Moon Fry. That hooker. What a great name. <laughs> I mean, Look, what were her parents smoking? They're like, you know what? Yeah. She looks a so, like a Soleil to me. Wow. She's a Soleil. Soleil. Yeah. What, you know her, what? A what band was, of Soleil. What do you think her nickname was? Mooney? What the fuck? What, what do you think her nickname was? Jugs. So it jugs. was definitely jugs. I know she had. Yeah, yeah. she was substantial. Yes, she was. Wait, were you like, also Barry Longfellow's uh, ex-husband on It's a Living? Richie Gray, three episodes. Oh my God! Look, and he has it ready. Look yeah, at- <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Patty. It's uh, one of the best theme songs of any fucking television I show agree. ever. I agree. And those ladies were just. Wonderful. Marion Mercer and, and Gail Edwards are just lovely people. And Barry. Barry's so talented. Um, I love that show. Yeah. Like nobody's fucking. Yeah, and it. I'm still, you know, I, <laughs> I'm still pals with Paul Kreppel, you know, who, who played Sonny, the uh, pianist. God, you oh, I love oh, here's a bit Sonny. Of, here's a bit of trivia. You, okay, you go on the set to, to, uh, to um, It's a Living. And. Uh, you never see, you never really see Paul's uh, fingers, because he's not playing the piano, even though he knows how to play the piano. The guy who's playing the piano is a guy named Paul Smith, who was the pianist for Duke Ellington. Oh, wow. G T F O H. Okay, <laughs> I mean seriously. He breathed, you guys. Everybody get excited. I mean, really, the pianist for in, in Duke Ellington's orchestra, Paul Smith. Oh my Bit god. Bit of trivia. Thank me now. Thank That's me later. incredible. I thank we you will. now, later, and, I will. and even in the future, sir. I will continue to yeah. thank you. So Kreppel and I, Kreppel and I are incredible. still pals. Uh, I called him Kreplach, which is a Yiddish word meaning a dumpling. Seriously. Aww. Yeah, Paul Kreppel. Kreppel. Look at that, and he's sweet. Isn't that sweet? And Aren't you know you what? Sweet? Let me reiterate. I've never watched the Brady Bunch. <gasps> Sorry, but I've met Barry Williams many times, and I, I, was, I never failed to go up to him and say, love your show. And let me tell you what. <laughs> you are cheap, and I guarantee you, Barry Williams has a more expensive cameo than you do. So you need but to up your game. <laughs> and I have an article from the Rocky Mount Telegram from Rocky Mount, North Carolina, April 28, 1963. The boob tube will get you if you don't watch out. Dear Ann Landers, I'm a boy, 11 years of age. I am writing about a family problem. I hope you will print it in the paper because a lot of kids I know have the same trouble. Every night there are fights at our house because of TV. Mom wants to watch some gooey love story and Pa wants to see wrestling or a gunfight. There are four of us kids, and we don't get to say a word about which channel is on. Plenty of nights, it's nothing but junk. Don't you think this is a free country? The majority should rule. Thank you very much. Signed, Nothing to Say. Dear Nothing to Say, four kids in the family, and you think majority should rule? 
Well, remember Sidney Hook's famous words, majority rule is not reasonable in a prison, an institution for the feeble-minded, or a family of small children. And instead of hanging around the boob tube every night, I'd like to recommend an old-fashioned pastime. It's called reading. Atlantis. My dad wouldn't let us watch The Cosby Show or Who's the Boss because he didn't like them. <laughs> and you know he what? Your like father Italian. was ahead of the curve. He knew something about <laughs> Bill Cosby that the rest of us didn't. <laughs> For sure. Wait, Cosby Show, what was the other one? Who's the Boss? What was the matter with Who's the Boss? They're Italian. And he That's hates why. Italians? Don't get me started. Wow. Don't get me started. I don't want to ask what he what he felt about the Cosby Show pre- you know what we I don't do. think you should. Wow. I don't think you should. You were banned from watching certain things in your house. We, the, I mean, we watched like, we watched a lot of shit. Like we watched <laughs> Macruder and Loud. Do you remember Ew. that? When they were like, do you know what I'm telling you? There was like the, they were dating cops and they lived in the same building and they separated their, uh, their apartment with a bookcase. Oh, so God. So like the, if the chief came over, no one knew that. They, it's like, listen. I think everyone's figured it out. That's your day. Like, well, you're like... I, any, any sitcom that has the idea that we're splitting an apartment down the middle has, I love Lucy to thank for that because of the episode where they put the tape down the middle of the apartment and Lucy's, you know, in the, in the famous, I love Lucy, like this is my side, that's your side. And as a kid, no, I remember watching different. that. But this is different. They were actually living two lives in one apartment and being like, I hope this bookshelf doesn't give me away. No, they had two apartments side by side and they drilled a hole and built a, like an archway separated by a bookcase. Because if you're a police officer, you cannot be dating your uh, fellow police officer. Oh, so they shit. Oh, God. See, this is before my time. It's very complicated. It's very complicated. Look, I was too busy watching Press Your Luck. And game shows oh, and no things whammy, like that. No um, speaking of which, speaking of game shows, our very guest this evening has been on multiple game shows, has hosted two game shows, which to me, I, I think that that's my dream job, Richie. Me too. You would be great. I would love to. I'm host serious. A game you show. would be absolutely great. Give oh. me your agent's number. Let me give him a call. What's an agent? Oh, mm. oh yeah. Okay. All righty then. Let's start from Ooh, scratch. Yeah. I how about I, oh. next time you do stand up, they go, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Aaron McGuire. You go, thank you, thank you, there. I would like to be on a game show. Okay, so now my set begins. <laughs> <laughs> and just put it out. for twenty five thousand dollar pyramid. Just I know it's a hundred thousand. Put it out. There. I've been put it in the it universe. Did you know that I test game shows for the Game Show Network? What does that mean? I play the games oh. before you see them on TV. Yes, I've done that. And I did it with, you ready for this? I hate to drop names. Oh, I did it do. with Vanna White before she was on the, the letter thing. What was that? The, uh, Wheel of Fortune. Wheel of Fortune. Fortune. Yeah, there were people. Marky Post. Oh, you're going to go what? and bring Wait, Marky Post we, into this, and I wasn't ready for how this. How dare we just drop a Marky Post You can't just drop a post on us. We, we had, that was a thing that, like, if you were in their loop, you would test out game shows. So it's like me, Marky Post, and, and, and Vanna before she was Vanna, and, and they give you 500 bucks or whatever. Yeah, you go in yeah. and you do the thing, and then you leave, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So you're telling me I'm on the Marky Post track right now? You're smarter. Oh, God. I don't know. With oh, hair my. like that, she had What are you talking? She, she, she was an attorney at Night Court. 
She had a smart blazer and a dyke haircut. <laughs> she had a short long. And then wasn't she on Hearts of Fire with John? John Ritter? Yes. And, and Billy Bob Thornton. You know, yes. Mark, John, Ritter, John Ritter and Marky Post, that's a good combo. Yeah. That is a good combo. I, 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 we, have, we have lots of John Ritter questions that have come in as well, but before we even get into that, okay, right. let's go back to the, the game show thing. Yeah. So you used to test game shows, not unlike myself. The funniest pyramid story that I have was <laughs> before I actually was on there as a, quote, celebrity, I was a, a civilian in 1974. I was on as a contestant with Steve <gasps> Allen. And before I, before, you know, you sit in the audience before you get, or backstage before you get to go on with the celebrity. So the, the group before me, they had a clue, um, and the clue came up, Shakespeare. Okay? That, okay. Was, the, that was the word, Shakespeare. Yeah. So Steve Allen has given this clue to this girl, and he says, the greatest playwright in the history of the English language. She goes, Neil Simon. Oh, that's actually a pretty good answer. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I thought... I thought Dick Clark would wet his, you know. <laughs> and he's like, lucky for me, I'm already wearing a diaper. Unbelievable. <laughs> Neil, Neil wow. Simon, I just so thought that was funny. So you won Pyramid before you were ever I, on I Pyramid won before, as yeah, a celebrity. I won, yeah, yeah, yeah. And in 1974, ten, it was the $10,000 Pyramid. Oh, inflation, so, huh? So, and it was tax-free, and I was, you know, a struggling actor in New York, and it was great. So you started in New York. You started on yeah, the yeah. stages of New York. Yeah, yeah. And then when you got Three's Company, is that the thing that propelled you into the TV medium? Or were you working in TV before that? No, no. I, the only thing I did on TV, I did a movie of the week called Seventh Avenue. And my girlfriend on the show, it was about the garment district. My girlfriend on the show was Ann Archer. Hi. Oh, oh my God. Hi. Ann Archer. Put the rabbit in the thing and then Glenn Close shows up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> was she obsessed with you? No, no, she was. She was Look, very your wife sweet, is here. This but, is a very was, safe room. It was my first job, you know, in, in, in film, and it was like, I couldn't believe that they paired me up with Ann Archer. Oh, my God. But, but Three's Company was the thing that really propelled everything into the next level. Well, before that, I did three mods with B. Arthur <gasps> and the Mary Tyler Moore Show. Mary Tyler Moore Show was my first uh, sitcom in California. I was sitting at the table with, you know, Ed Asner and Betty and freaking whatever you know and mary right. and those people oh my God. gavin mcleod and <clears throat> i was scared to death yeah oh my god and and but i did it you know whatever and then i remember the night of the taping i'm sitting backstage because it was the one where um i was a prosecutor trying to get news sources for mary and whatever and i put ted knight on the stand and Ted Knight and said, so you work with Mary Richards, is that correct? Um, I don't know, that's what they tell me. You know, he's like, he's like <laughs> den denying that he actually knows her or whatever. But you're in the same newsroom. Well, if, if that's what you say, you know, whatever. So, but I'm sitting backstage waiting to go on. Just, I, uh, my heart is racing. And um, Betty came up to me and said, how you doing? And she just was like so that. sweet. She just said, how you doing? And, and I said, I'm doing fine. Whatever. <laughs> it was just like, I sort of melted and it was like, okay, I can do this. Oh, and what was, what was it like to work with B. friggin' Arthur? Well, okay. She is the queen of timing. I mean, yeah. you just watch her and just a look and a thing and I just learned. It was like going to PhD comedy school. Wow. Yeah. Just a deadpan comedy school. But she, her timing was just astounding. 
Wow. And uh, she wasn't too friendly, but that's... <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, it's okay. hey, let's it's not speak of gone. the dead while we're on this podcast. Yeah, she yeah. was a little cold. Well, yeah. It's a little bit. At that point, I would be too. I'd be like, I have my well, own show. Don't look at that's me. That's funny. I, it doesn't read that way across the airwaves. <laughs> no, but, you know, that, so was, warm. that was the last <laughs> season of Maud, and then she segued into Golden Girls, but... but uh, she She's and, probably uh, still pissed that she didn't get Mary Poppins. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Tell me she was not really young. Don't do that Are to me. Are you fucking for real? I don't know. I can't tell with that haircut. You're very distracting to me today. Sorry. Sorry, not sorry. Um, all right. Do you have another article to share with us, Patois? Yes. This is from the Item Sumter, South Carolina, December 29th, 1978. Dear Abby, Please publish this so the people who want to sell a product will know how one housewife feels about some of the stupid TV commercials. I get so irritated with some of them, I actually turn the volume down so I can't hear them. Of all the dumb commercials, detergents are the dumbest. They're all beginning to look and sound alike. So are the deodorant commercials showing all kinds of different kinds right next to each other. When the commercial is over, you don't even remember which one they're trying to sell you. It's ridiculous and confusing. Abby. Whatever happened to those free samples we used to get in the mail? Now, that's the way to sell a product. Instead of telling us how inferior the other brands are, why not give us a sample of the product they claim is so superior and let us be the judges? I changed my brand of soap and toothpaste years ago because of a free sample. And until somebody can change my mind by giving me a free sample of something better, I'm not changing my brand. Care to comment? Sioux City, Iowa. Dear Sue, I, too, prefer the free sample pitch and agree that some TV commercials are literally a turnoff. These are cheapskates is what they're talking about. Um, what if the thing you're selling is diapers? Or a tampon. Ah, that's a really Which, small sample. Uh, well, I was on, I told you my first year of, in New York, I was, I was funded by Always Maxi Pads because that's how I made my living that entire year. Had I not had a maxi pad underneath me, I would not stay afloat. Women everywhere say, you're welcome. <laughs> and did you have to say maxi pad and afloat in the same sentence? I did. You I did. did. It was on purpose. Uh, well, we already know that Richie Klein has done a Bud Light commercial. Have you done a lot of commercials in your life? Yes, Mr. Chairman. <laughs> <laughs> what was your favorite commercial? To work on. Oh, good Lord. You know, I remember the first one. And it was a national spot for Singer Sewing Machine. <gasps> I have one of those. And the uh, and the <clears throat> the um, the audition was you had to sing eight bars of anything because you would be singing in the commercial for Singer Singer. It was for the Singer oh, Singers. I get it. S-I-N-G-E-R. There were six of us to be chosen. <gasps> I was the letter I. I got the spot. And I sang my audition. I sang the first eight bars of Oklahoma. Oh wow! Where the wind comes sweeping down the plain. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you. And on the set, oh, they had a massive. They built this massive sewing machine, and we were in these college collegiate sweaters with with white bucks or saddle shoes. I can't remember. You know, and chinos, uh-huh. and the, and the sweater. And the, each of our sweaters was a letter, and I was the letter I. That's good at slimming. Yeah, 
Thank you. <laughs> Imagine S, that bitch. Yeah. I don't remember who was S. You got to know that R had some complaints. Anyway, so that was my that was my first, <laughs> and that's I look fondly on on that commercial. What, the commercials that I've done that I don't look fondly on was for Head and Shoulders, where I was in a shower for like eight hours, washing my hair with Head and Shoulders, and for the last for the next three days, the pieces of my freaking scalp were coming out, and my comb. I was like, please. Give you me. really had to use that product. Uh, yeah, standards and practices. What are you talking about? Oh, I don't even know. Oh, I don't God. know. I did a commercial for Walmart, and I blacked out in the middle of it. So I, I don't As know. As we all would probably As we should. Yeah. Uh, I, that, in that commercial, though, I did show up, and they said, you have a family, and I turned around, and it was the creepiest, <laughs> like, Twilight Zone episode yeah. of three gingers standing together, and I was like, Oy. really? Let me ask you this. What were you buying, ammunition? Uh, yes, they were like, okay, so you walk down aisle 17 and you get the sawed-off shotgun while your daughter's getting the lawn darts. <laughs> and then your husband's buying the ammo and some porn, and then you all meet at the checkout. Have you ever done comedy? Uh, <laughs> this is I've some, dabbled. This is some funny shit dabbled. right here. So the whole premise was that Jack was he's supposed to pretend that he's gay yeah. so he could live with his but then all of a sudden um, what, uh, what's uh, what's Norman Feld's name? Or Don uh, Knott. Don, Don, Don Knott. Mr. Furley. Mr. Furley. Mr. Furley. Mr. Furley busts through the door like the, a gay man going to the townhouse saloon <laughs> over here on the Upper East Side with, with, a, with a neck scarf and a zoot suit, and he has a fucking nerve to, to point out that Jack might be a little light in the loafers. Who the fuck did the costumes on that show? Lenny Marcus. Who's I mean, Christ on the bike. That game, the, the second gayest person is Fred from Scooby-Doo. And that's he's a, married that's to a, a drag queen. Patty, that's a that's a wonderful analysis. I personally, I, mean, I personally have never heard Christ on a bike. I use Christ on a cracker, but I'm willing to go with the, with the transportation. He's been everywhere. Metaphor. Uh, yeah, let I me mean, he could invent whatever he wanted. Christ, <laughs> he was a carpenter. You know, I never, I never thought of that because Lenny Marcus, the customer, is no longer with us. Was a gay man, and I don't think he intentionally dressed. Um, Don as the MC at a drag show, but <laughs> he, but when I was in Vegas, I brought my three. They gave us for the hundred and fiftieth show or something. They gave us these engraved Three's Company belt buckles Ooh. and a belt. So anyway, long story short, uh, <laughs> the the either cleaning lady, somebody, whatever, uh, got a hold of my belt and then lost my belt, whatever. Cut to, when was it, honey? Uh, a month ago, two months, two or three months ago, I get a Facebook message from some guy in in Las Vegas, who says I was at a garage sale and there was a belt buckle and your name is on the back of the belt. <gasps> get the what? F. Yes. If you love he a says, belt buckle, let it go. He if said, it comes back to you, it's meant to be. He said, "Can I can I send it to you?" And I said, "That would be very kind of you. Let me pay you for it." And he said. No, no, no. I think you would want to have this. Shut up. How about that? What? A good deed in a weary But that's like, world. we're talking 1983. Where are we now? Like 
1950. Where are we now? No, I think 20, we're 20? in 2037. 37 years forward. ago. 37 years ago, I lost that belt buckle. Are you kidding me? It's insane. It's insane. Can you imagine if he was like, no, don't pay me. Can you just send me a cameo? My brother's name is James, and he lives in Reno. What did I Did I send him and some money? What did I do? Yeah, I sent him some money. I that is and he sent it to you so it's in, in your yeah yeah he took a, he took a photo on his phone of the package you know at ups whatever saying i'm sending here it is i'm sending it to you all of our best stuff is going to end up in vegas sooner or later and i'm glad that's that you incredible. use the term cleaning lady that stripper yeah. that stripper stole sure. your belt sir you, yeah. i'm sorry yeah. I, i'm sorry wait a second how did you know that <laughs> because i was that stripper i'm mrs she Roper. Stuck that belt right off your waist she said, you know, she said her name was Tiffany. I guess that wasn't her real name. But her real name was Cinnamon. Hey. Hey. Can I? Would you please take my belt? Now, somebody had a John Ritter question. Yes. Uh, which I thought was very interesting. So I'm going to go to uh, the, the face place for this, which is, did you ever see John Ritter do anything that went against his world nicest guy image? John had a gift of being nice to everybody, and and not in a mamby pamby way. He was just he was just a nice human being. He was obviously in, in deep gratitude for his success, and he made every guest star that ever was on that show feel welcome. Oh. And you know, God knows he made me feel welcome from the get go. And <clears throat> no, I never saw him uh, react. To anything in in a toxic uh, manner, but just be a great guy the whole time. Yeah, you guys had crazy physical, like everybody on that set, which was such a rare thing. It's almost vaudevillian. The physical yes. comedy in that yes. was so difficult. And there was a question yes. that's actually really worded perfectly. Go which ahead. Is, um, this is from Ben Tostado. He says, "I've been watching reruns lately. The staging and performances are nothing short of comedic brilliance. It's a masterclass on physical comedy." Please talk through the rehearsal process for this intricate work because you guys were falling over each other. There was like Pratt Falls. I mean, like it was when you look back, the, yeah. it was like the golden age of comedy. Yeah. The greatest piece of physical comedy th that I've seen, and you could argue, you know, Dick Van Dyke was a tremendously physical actor. And then, of course, the old the, the, the silent films, the Harold Lloyds and the Buster Keatons and all that. But the greatest piece of, fil uh, of comedy on a sitcom, yeah. half hour, was John on the hammock in A Camping We Will Go. <gasps> Get the X out of here. Right? I mean, he, that, what he was doing, and that was all him, by the way. That Nobody... was not scripted. They said, you're on a hammock, you have trouble getting on the hammock. Go. It was all improv. Yeah. Because somebody else asked how much of the show was ad-libbed. No. There was no, 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 no verbal no, ad. No, 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 no. But if you said, John has trouble with, uh, Jack has trouble with an ironing board, Go, and he would do. He would do shtick. That's fantastic. Yeah. Was it wild to watch him work? Loved it. Oh. Learned. You know, in this business, for all those actors listening out there who are not contemplating suicide, <laughs> I know. Uh, and um, it's such a good time to be an actor, though. Yeah, it's a great time. Um, uh, you, you know, I you go to school with these people. I would from the minute I was holding a spear at Lincoln Center at age twenty, <laughs> whatever I was coming out of the army. You learn from people, learn from Nancy Marshawn, and learn from all these people that, yeah, I, yeah. that I work with. And learn from B. Arthur. I mean, please. How to stand up and pee. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, about, you're about to, 
<laughs> have me quote a, a Jeffrey Ross roast comment about B. Arthur. <laughs> Jeffrey Ross is at this roast, and B. Arthur is on the dais. Oh, it's and so he's, good. And, he, he, and Lisa Lampanelli, and he, he looks at Lisa Lampanelli, and he says, Lisa, I wouldn't fuck you with B. Arthur's dick. And the world exploded. Exploded. So that's the peace standing up joke. That is. Uh, and she just looked at you, him and wagged his wagged yeah, his finger. Yeah, but you but you learn but you learn from these people. That's that's the joy of you know being able to work in this business. You learn from people. Well, you're no you know slub yourself. You're no slouch. Exactly. You're no slouch. I said slub. I was gonna say schlub, and then I don't know. I, I aborted the mission on the word. I don't I, you know. You know what, Aaron? I love when you speak Yiddish because it just I know. warms the. <laughs> it's just like it's so. It warms the. So natural. It rolls off my tongue. It sure does. Speaking of rolling off the tongue, I have one more article, and then we're gonna get into some more fun with you, Mister. I'm Richard having Klein. the time of my life right Aren't now. Aren't we all? Okay, guys. No, on. you're like Jennifer Gray and Patrick Swayze. Before the nose job. Before or after. That's a real dividing line for Jennifer Gray. All right, this comes <laughs> from the Depo- I'll say Detroit. she was making money before. Wait, you did your article, right? I'm not crazy. I, I, I did, sir. Yes, did. sir. Yes, sir. All right. This is from the De- Detroit. Damn it. Detroit Free Press from Detroit, Michigan, January 3rd, 1997. I usually don't do something sort of, you know, more modern, but the, the title of this is Three's Company. Dear Ann Landers, Since moving out of my parents' home, I've always shared an apartment with a roommate. About six months ago, I got a new roommate. The first week Nicole lived here, her boyfriend stayed over every night. I thought maybe she was nervous in a new place, so I didn't say anything. But the situation is getting worse. Now Gabe not only spends every other night here, but he comes home and comes and goes even when Nicole isn't home. Yesterday, after Nicole left for work, Gabe came over in the morning and hung around until late afternoon. He showered, changed his clothes, watched television, and left before she came home. Gabe's a nice person, which makes me feel guilty for not wanting him around. But I need my privacy. One of the reasons I selected Nicole for a roommate was because she works days and I work nights. I assumed this would give both of us breathing space. I didn't count on Gabe lousing up the schedule. Am I being unreasonable to expect this guy to spend less time here? I'm feeling crowded out in New York. Dear crowded out, you are not being unreasonable. Be honest with Nicole and let her know she has the freeloading boyfriend (laughs) that has made this situation intolerable. Meanwhile, start looking for a new roommate because that's where this is heading. Ian! Damn it! Now, when you, I, I know that you've grown up in New York, but did you have roommates like when you first went out on your own? Well, you're living in New York. You've lived in New York your whole life, yes, right? Yes, I have. I mean, except for whenever you're filming something in L.A. Were you living in L.A.? No, no. I, I moved, I, I lived in New York up to 1975, and, and then I moved to L.A. Well, here's the good news. Right now, New York is like it's 1975 again. So everybody get your That's correct. battering rams out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I went back to, to, to teach my erstwhile acting class, and, and uh, it was a ghost town. Yeah, it's creepy. It's very creepy. Yeah. I never had a roommate. You have never... You know what? The struggle's not real. Wait, I, wait, wait. I, 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 wait, I, I take that back. 
I in college I had a roommate. I but mean, when you moved, it doesn't into New count. York. Doesn't that, count. Thank you, Patty. Doesn't, <laughs> doesn't count. count. You're welcome. Doesn't count. No, I never. Had Everybody a, had a fucking roommate. In college. I never had a roommate. I had an imaginary friend, but I I never had a roommate. That kind well, of that's balances weird. it out. Did you charge it's that weird. imaginary friend rent? It's weird to you, Patty, but we were very close. I'm sorry. What? <laughs> <laughs> Closer than the pants that you had to wear in Three's Company. It was like, <laughs> obviously, you had a gay uh, designer on your show. You know, it was like you guys were like smuggling sausages. Um, interesting. It was like, like hey, let's make him look more and more like Brian Boitano if we can. Yeah. Now Just we're getting to the, the nuts back. and bolts of this conversation. Literally. Yeah. Stop pointing at me, Larry. Stop pointing. <laughs> a tight pant and a good belt buckle. Three's company. A white. And a tucked in t shirt. Sport coat and a pink. OG. Okay. You never had a roommate? No. What big fucking... I never had a roommate. That's I, insane to me. Why? I was I was independently wealthy. Oh, my God. This <laughs> son of a bitch right here. I swear. Let, let's go, let's so go back to the... So you never had the awkwardness of the actual Three's Company? No. I've had ex-wives. <laughs> Were they all living together? It was like Chrissy and Janet? <laughs> if you want to call those roommates, you know... Technically, at, at a certain point, it sounds like they were. I they This comes from Tim Dunleavy. Serious question. Is it hard trying to keep a long-running character interesting? Also, I know Dave Powers directed almost every episode and he had worked on the Carol Burnett show. How much did he contribute to the show's style of comedy? That's a two-parter. How hard is it keeping a long-running character interesting? Now, this can apply to both your theatrical career and television. Well, as far as you know, the character of Larry is concerned, what happens is when you become a, a regular on a show, then they, they write for you. They, yeah. they, they write for that zeitgeist. I've never used that word, by the way. Congratulations. The this is... I don't know what it means, but I have a feeling Triple it means... Triple word score. I, it, means, it has a Z in it. It has a Z in it, and it sounded great. <laughs> yeah, but they, yeah. they write for that persona. Yeah, yeah. So you don't do, you know, you, you go with the flow. You, and I, I just remember, you know, picking up the script that week and sitting at the table and going, oh, this is great. This is like right up my, this is my wheelhouse. This it's is Larry. Amazing. This is Larry. Yeah. And they just, you know, they sit there and they watch your performance and they watch the rehearsal. And so the next script they'll they say well larry should do this with jack and thing and you know i mean I, I don't come up with this stuff they do that's what they're paid for you know there's like 10 writers in a room yeah with pizza and a, and a bottle of diet coke and and they come up with this crap i mean it's like it's insane mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so uh they maintain the progression of the character you don't you know you don't really contribute to that and and i never oh okay there's one story <laughs> This is, this is this is a great story. They they say uh, we had note session between the five o'clock show and the eight o'clock show. We had we had note sessions. So they said, you know, uh, Rich, we're going to change that line um, because we we don't think that 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 show is that that line is 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 really working. And I said, well, I'm not married to it. And they said, yeah, well, you fucked it. <laughs> ah! <laughs> I, 
swear to God. Oh, Bernie, my God. Bernie West. Bernie West. Nickel, Bernie West said that line. I'll never forget it. That's yeah, well, you fucked it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. This is a really interesting question. I do want to hear the second part of. So you've actually talked already about the fact that about Dave, Dave Powers, and yeah. directing the Carol Burnett show. Yeah, I mean, it just seems like he kind of casting is so much of what makes these shows fantastic. Yeah. He finds the right people who have the right chemistry together. When did you first come on to the show? How many episodes in uh, were uh, there? Fourth, the fourth episode. You were so early on. Yeah, and you episode. came on thinking, "What? I'm just going to show up once." Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a guest spot. That was it, and yeah. you thought, you know, but then you did something that made him see that you were well, part that, of the ensemble. It, 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 I don't think it was Dave's call. I think it was a producer's call. Uh-huh. But what they saw was that John and I had great chemistry together, because and you, know, you did. Well, they saw it right away, and then they started, you know, writing a, a, another episode. And I didn't get a, a full contract until the next year. Yeah, yeah. So they did whatever they did that first year, and then. The next year, I came on as a regular. I, we have a really interesting question from Chuck Ragsdale. Chuck! That, that texted me. Yes, he's my gay husband. Now, this this is interesting, and I didn't know this. The pilot episode of Three's Company is lifted almost entirely from the pilot episode of Man About the House. Yes. Was the plan to springboard from there with the U.S. writing team and create original episodes? Yes. Yes. Johnny... I think Johnny Mortimer and somebody Cook was were the writers of the Man About the House. Uh-huh. I saw Man About the House. I saw one of the episodes. I've and, never seen this, so I don't have yeah, any uh, favorite yeah. reference. Uh, Robin for something was the Jack character, and uh, you know, quite frankly, um, I could be prejudiced, but not quite as funny as Three's Company. Really? Yeah, and the guys that, by the way, created Three's Company also created the Jeffersons. Oh, and they were staff. Oh. And before that, they were staff on um, on um, All in the Family. Oh my God! Interesting. Yeah. So they were just bringing like heavy hitters from one staff yeah. room to the next yeah. to the next. And we had a we had a writer on the show by the name of Dave Merkin, who went on to be the executive producer of The Simpsons. Oh my God! Dave Merkin was a stand-up comic, and yeah. he told us we would sit in a chat with Dave, and Dave would say. Can I tell you my opening line when I go up to stand up? And I go, yeah. He says, they go, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome at the improv, Dave Merkin. And he goes, so he gets up there, he, he adjusts the microphone and he starts coughing and he looks at his palm and he goes, is it just me or is everyone coughing up blood? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Would it be tacky to steal that line? I think you should. As a stand Because that line is 30 freaking years old. Nobody's so going to know. They won't know. I mean, I can't. They'll go over like gangbusters now. I they, know. People love they, it when they'll they know. Erin, and why aren't you writing it down? Uh, I, because, you know, it's a pandemic and it's I'm okay. only given the, the upper half of my face okay. to work with. Well, you with. know what? You can either thank me now or thank me later. Um, I just have one more question from our listeners. This one comes from James Donegan. Uh, who is a Patreon subscriber, he wants to know, how can he bring the Larry Dallas swagger into everyday life? All right, that's very simple. Yeah. Tight pants, three <laughs> buttons opened at the top, and then blow dry your chest. Right. Blow dry your chest hair. <laughs> I like that. Okay. I'm going to do that. Done. If those aren't words to live by, I don't know what Done. are. Done, right there. And maybe, you know, a gold chain. Well, I'm blow-drying my chest hair right now in excitement <laughs> of our next segment, which our special guest, Richie Klein, is going to take part in. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is 
Instagram mail. Instagram mail. Instagram mail. You wrote to us. Special you have a question. He's going to answer some Instagram mail. <laughs> so this week, like all weeks, you can write to us on the Instagram, on the Instawebs, on the any Twitter, Twitters, what have you, at Deerpod Official. If you have any advice questions, we shall answer them. And this week, we have a television-related advice question that we have handed over to our very special guest, Richie Klein. The three of us will attempt to answer and give our advice, our old-school advice to this new-school problem. So, Patty, why don't you kick us off, tell the world what the question is, and we'll round-robin this bad daddy. All right, here we go. Dear Pod, my wife is addicted to reality TV. I can't stand it. I feel like it's everything bad in this world at the moment. Any advice on how to make her stop watching this garbage signed Real Housewives of Who the Hell Cares? Dear Real Housewives of Who the Hell Cares, I think it was Confucius who said, he who controls the remote destroys the marriage. (laughs) For openers, it's obvious that you only have one TV. Can you perhaps do what I do when my wife is watching Real Housewives of Waukegan? <laughs> Simply give a dedicated dramatic eye roll and walk out of the room. You can accompany that gesture by throwing up both your hands and sighing. This requires little to no theatrical training. <laughs> as far as you linking reality TV with, quote, everything that's bad in this world, I could think of a few hundred worse things starting with 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue and working my way west. <laughs> Bottom line, you're not going to change people's taste. I like sports. My wife could care less. You say potato, I say potato. You say tomato, (laughs) I say tomato. Potato, tomato, tomato, tomato. Let's call the whole freaking thing off. If it gives her pleasure to watch these silicone-enhanced, entitled, gold-digging whiners whine, I say let her enjoy it. (laughs) We guys know better. We have ultimate fighting in cages. And of course... (laughs) soccer where after what seems like five hours the final score is one to nothing (laughs) hang in there that was fantastic Richie Klein absolutely nailed it thank you Real Housewives of Waukegan and let me tell you what I would tune in for that because there's probably a lot of them working in fields that would be fun to see (laughs) Uh, I've never seen a real housewife till the soil before, but holla. <laughs> All right, let's hit, let's kick it over to you, Patty, and then I'll I'll close us off. All right. Give us your answer. They're real. Remember what what they said that reality television would ruin entertainment forever? Well, they were right. I don't care about your bratty sweet 16. If you can eat six cicadas covered in hot sauce to gain immunity. If you live in a gated community and spend $25,000 on sunglasses, or if you have seven wives and a hundred kids, or if you recently moved six hot dogs, a shoe, a, a license plate, and a Garfield cookie jar from your rectum. In the words of Valerie Cherish, I don't need to see that. I stopped watching reality TV after season one of The Real World. That Eric Neitz really got me going. <laughs> I still get weepy whenever I hear Sarah McLaughlin's I Will Remember You on the radio. I will forever think of my nights watching the true stories about seven strangers picked to live in a loft and have their lives taped 
how I miss my friends, Julie, Heather B., Norman, Eric, Becky, Kevin, and Andre, screaming at each other on a New York street corner. Ah, memories. (laughs) Just to be clear, I will never, ever, ever want to keep up with the Kardashians. Hell, I don't even want to say hello to one, let alone keep up with them. I'm surprised they can even pick each other out in a crowd with all those surgeries. It's like walking into Party City on 14th Street on Halloween. (laughs) Chloe, is that you? Or is that just a Ralph Macchio mask? (laughs) I recently read that 9 out of 10 morons who watch reality TV actually believe that the Earth is flat, the moon landing was staged, Michael and Bubbles were actually married, Mr. Ed could really talk, and J-Lo could really sing. (laughs) If you... If you care about your wife, you need to stage a reality show intervention. Start rewatching old Jerry Springer shows and make wifey watch with you. Stick to the reruns of topics such as, I can vomit anything, and I will. <laughs> my dog is my, mitri- my mistress, and we like to make Whoopi, or Anne's favorite, the fecal fun family food fight. If she doesn't launch herself out off that lazy boy and toss his head out the w- window, then consider your marriage over. Abby. I never spent time in a lazy boy, you bitch. <laughs> Good God. I do miss Heather B. from Real World. She was a great person. She's, that was like the only great. actual, at that first season of Real World, which launched all of reality TV, was easily the best because they were actually being real. I remember Julie Correct. going to dance classes at Broadway Dance Center. Yeah. I, yeah. I was obsessed, obsessed. Well, here's yeah. what Ann Landis has to say to this uh, Real Housewives guy. All right. Dear RH of WTHC, I understand your frustration with reality TV. I personally would rather eat my wigs than watch one more Kardashian photo shoot. Why are they always taking pictures together in the nude? The last time I was naked and touching my sister, I was in the womb. Oh, speaking of womb, that's probably the next place they'll put the Real Housewives. <laughs> Real Housewives of the Uterus premiering this fall on Bravo. Stupid reality shows are everywhere. You can't swing a bachelor without hitting a survivor. Here's hoping today's reality will curtail this trend. Reality loses its luster in a pandemic. The real world Zoom doesn't have the same appeal. The amazing race to what? The bathroom? How will Project Runway work? The contestants will spend two weeks in mood? Tragically, the only reality that's too real is Big Brother. I know you can't stand your wife's viewing choices. Believe me, every time I walk in the room in and my Jules is watching Mac and me on VHS for the umpteenth time, I'm ready to reach for the nearest pistol. (laughs) But then I say, you can laugh. Please, please, dear Christ, laugh. But then I stop. I take a breath. I pry the divorce lawyer's business card out of my well-manicured hand, and I say, Is this the worst of his addictions? (laughs) Aside from smelling gasoline? Yes! (laughs) If a reality TV addiction is your wife's only problem, then I would say you're a lucky guy. Let her have a thing. While she's watching The Real Housewives of your mom's Toyota Corolla, leave the room! Go for a walk, (laughs) read a book, or I should say by today's standards, learn to read. I'm sure you have an addiction that she tolerates, so bite the bullet and suck it up or start doing naked photo shoots with your sister and tell her you learned it from Kim and Chloe. That should stop her in no time. (laughs) They are all... Thank you. You can applaud. I can accept applause. Thank you. Oh, God, thank you so much. That is so lovely to have a guest on to do Instagram mail with us. 
That is the loudest clap I have ever heard in my life. <laughs> don't we all have that one friend that claps a little too loud? Yeah. That we're like, you don't need to do that. It's with the sneeze. It's like, you don't need to sneeze that loud. You have a choice. No, it's okay. You know, what's <laughs> you worse do. than that is a friend who has the clap. And then... Yeah. I can't believe I actually You sneeze that. into the friend that has the clap. It's I, like... Yes. Layers on top. Do people still get the clap? I don't know. I, you know, I, I watch you said sports. It with, I don't, what do I? That is a lie. I think you know more than you're letting on, sir. The cleaning lady in Vegas. You know what? The belt buckle will tell. <laughs> That's a callback right there. <laughs> so what I'm very excited to make you a part of is every week we have a specialty cocktail. And of course, with that specialty cocktail, we have a song to go with it. Go ahead. Of it's course we do. Time. Four. Specialty cocktails, specialty drink. We whip out some drinks and we drink with it. Whip out your reruns and watch Jack trip a ball on the couch. It's a vomit cocktail, especially for you. You're thy master, thy master. All right. So this week, like all weeks, we have a specialty cocktail that is inspired by our theme this week. And we are especially inspired here at the Pineapple Ranch and the Maha'a Bar right now to bring you the Regal Beagle. That is right. Found online in the bowels of the internet by 70 sitcom fanatic James Jules Ferris. So... For this, you will need one and a half ounces of vodka, two lime wedges, one teaspoon of honey, five ounces of grapefruit juice, and, get ready for this, a splash of dry white wine. Now, in a cocktail shaker, you muddle the lime with the honey, add vodka, grapefruit juice, and wine. Add ice and stir. Strain into a rocks glass with ice. A sprig of rosemary to garnish. That sounds earthy, doesn't it? We'll find out. All right, so here's the tasting notes. To be honest, I have no idea what this drink has to do with the bar from Three's Company. But Richie is here, and this seemed like an obvious cheap choice. Let's break down these ingredients. The vodka represents the star power that John Ritter, Master, Mr. Jack Tripper himself, brought to this show. As you can guess, the two lime wedges are the ropers, of course, <laughs> a bit tart, and they are going to keep this drink and their tenants on their feet. Enter the grapefruit juice and Janet Wood. Both are a bit tangy with an underlying sweetness, and whether it's Chrissy Snow, Cindy Snow, or Terry Alden, sitcoms and drinks are always better with a bit of honey. Mm. But what is that surprise that makes this drink and show so very unique? There is always a special ingredient that keeps you coming back for more. And that splash of Chardonnay is definitely the Larry Dallas of this one-of-a-kind beverage. So, if you're going to come and knock on our door, grab two roommates, wear your damn mask, and let's all head over to the Regal Beagle for a taste of comic history. We've been waiting for you. Where the cocktails are hers and hers and hers, Regal Beagle too. How come the Regal Beagle never seemed crowded? The Regal Beagle was never crowded. No, I guess there was a budgetary thing. (laughs) Did they keep repurposing the the background actors? You know the thing about background actors? They never disagree. Think about it. There's never a fight in the background. No, no, they're never shaking their heads like no. They're always like they're always agreeing. <laughs> oh my god! That's right. Just look, look at any show ever at the because extras you're stuck with, at the stuck background. With the you, you can't call them extras anymore. At the background, 
they're always going, yeah. They yeah, are agreeing. Absolutely. Mm. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah, doing imaginary conversations about their mortgage or whatever. But it doesn't matter. They're always agreeing. Well, that also brings up the good point of, well, I'm going to bring up something after this, but cheers to you, Mr. Sir. Everybody in the room, Beverly, cheers, cheers. Can cheers. I say something for the record? Oh, please do. You and Patrick are the most supremely talented and humorous I, human beings, and I am so honored oh, to be on your freaking we're show. We're so honored to oh have you. Oh my god. Yeah, no, this I'm is serious. Our pleasure. I, I'm I'm serious because I'm a fan of of intelligence, A, B, comedy, and if you put those together, it's you two. So there you go. <gasps> Here's to Richie Klein just called us smart. Are you looking? What? Yes. Yeah. Cheers, queers. Well, you are and 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 I'm it's really a thrill to be on here. Oh my god. It's a thrill, it's a thrill to, to have, have you. you here. And Thank it's you. a this is a drink that hits you right in your jawbone and it stays there it's lovely though it's very brunchy rosemary a little bit earthy grapefruit wicked tart and it's got vodka in it which means that i will be getting honest real soon damn it (laughs) you know what it's funny that you said about the background actors because this is one other question i wanted to bring up patty and i have talked about in sitcoms and we've talked about this on other episodes how many characters would not exist if the door was locked? <laughs> Kramer yeah, would never I happen. Know, I know. Any character in Friends, the progress would never move forward. You'd never have any character development. I know. I know. Uh, but yeah. thanks. I mean, like you were a beneficiary of an unlocked door on a sitcom. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was my deal, was knock, 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 open the door, there's Larry. I mean, it's, you know. Much. We love you. Thank you so much for this being such a phenomenal absolutely guest. Absolutely wonderful. Didn't didn't <clears throat> he just scratch that pop culture itch that we're obsessed with, the 19, like all the references? He said Marky Post, Patty. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, let um the good listeners at home tell tell us where we can find you. Online, do you? I do have a lot of online presence. I have a, Is there anything coming up that you want people to know about? Well, I'm going to be doing. Um, I'm going to be doing a movie at the end of September, early October, called The Mick and the Trick. I play a retired police captain. Nice. I don't know who other people are in it, but um, it came about because one of my students wrote a script with another guy, and he wrote my part into it. And <gasps> it's actually because I get scripts all the time, and usually yeah. they're not, you know worth whatever if you go 10 pages and the script is you know you want to like fall asleep then you say you're done I'm sorry thank you for sending <laughs> but this was i read through the whole thing and i said this is great so that's what i'm doing that's fantastic so people are filming again in new york production's well, back up and running i this think this is going to be on location in uh, in eastern pennsylvania um but uh it's you know it's work whatever thing yeah work whatever thing I think that that's the most inspirational fit from Richie Klein I've ever heard. By the way, he is a phenomenal acting teacher. People have reached out to me who have taken your class, who send you love and say that it was the thank best you. experience they've had. So, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you're you. very talented, sir. We're thrilled to have you on board at Dearpod. Well, we thank you so much, Richie thank Klein. Thank you, Aaron. Thank this you, Patty. incredible. Did you thank have a you. good time, Patty? I had a fantastic time Yay! i'm super bl- i'm so blessed today hashtag blessed hashtag haircut <laughs> you're feeling good today son hashtag cut hashtag uncut 
Hashtag <laughs> Tight pants. Who costumed your God. show? God. Jesus Christ. She's like, are you sure you're not the gardener? Because there's a hose stuck in your pants. Thanks, Larry. No wonder why Lana was always after you guys. Jesus, you could you could see your religion through your oh pants. Oh, my God. Somebody did ask if Lana finally got some. <laughs> I, think she, I think she turned gay after a while. She's like, fuck these guys. And then she was like, whose belt buckle is this? Ha, 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 ha,